We're going to jump into a series that's going to take us up to Advent. And the series is called Hashtag Blessed. Um, we're living the blessed life. What we just witnessed uh, was the power of a spoken blessing over the life of someone else. And I think we live in a world where we're craving blessing, uh, so much so that whole parts of the church have distorted the truth of God to say that all God wants is for us to be happy and wealthy and live the blessed life, the prosperity gospel. We don't want to go there. This series is to look at, in part, what does it mean to be blessed but more, uh, more what I want to look at is what is blessing in Scripture and what is the power of blessing that we're called to harness as believers. So we've, we've talked about this in lots of elements through what we've done over the last couple of years. Um, but what just happened there was not uh, just an exercise where parents took some words and spoke them into the air uh, out of hope that it's going to have an impact on their future. What happened was Trevor and Joanna crafted a blessing that represented the word of God, their heart for their kids, God's heart for their kids, and released that word over the lives of their children. And because of what just happened here, and because of the commitment that we make as the body, those kids' lives are forever altered by what just happened. And I feel like in our, especially in the West, we have lost sight of the power that has been given to us to bring change in the world. We've lost sight of the power that our words have when we give them to God and allow him to harness them for what he wants to do in the world. So I want to step over the next few weeks into exploring the power of blessing and to ask what does it look like for us as the church to understand this power that we've we've got and then to utilize it better uh, as we engage the relationships around us and as we engage the people of the world that we come in contact with. We are living in an increasingly secular part of the world. And one of the issues when you look at the world is any concept of God and any concept of blessing gets erased from the culture around about us. So there are cultures all over the world that engage in blessing regularly. So you can go to meet any Jewish person and their standard greeting is going to be the word shalom. You go to Israel, everyone greets you with the word shalom. It is their way of saying hello, but more than that, it is a blessing that they speak over you upon meeting you that is saying, may you have peace and wholeness with God and with one another and with the world. That's what shalom means. They're praying a blessing over you. In Arabic cultures, uh, you meet someone, they're going to say, salam alaikum. They're saying, may the peace of God rest on you. Uh, we say, hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, our ways of greeting are very different. When you go back to my part of the world, there are some fun traditions. So the last day of the year, uh, we don't call New Year's Eve, we call it Hogmanay. And Hogmanay, uh, as part of Hogmanay tradition, we do this thing called first footing. And first footing is, um, cover your ears if you don't like alcohol, you grab the bottle of whatever it is that you like to drink, quite often whiskey, and first footing is, I'm going to be the first person to cross over the threshold into my friend's house. So I'm going to grab my bottle of whatever I'm going to drink, and I'm going to go knock on my neighbor's doors, and I'm going to walk in the door, and as the bells strike midnight, uh, we're going to have a drink together. Um, And it's a way of celebrating relationship, and I desire relationship with you so much that I want to be the first person to set foot in your door as the new year starts. Um, 
in this tradition, we have a saying that goes with it that is a traditional Hogmanay saying, but it, it goes beyond that. <coughs> Excuse me. And the saying is, Lang may your lum reek. Want to try that? Lang may your lum reek. What the heck does that mean? Mm-hmm. I even heard an almost Scottish attempt. That was awesome. Uh, this means the word lang is long. May your lum is chimney. And reek is the word for smell. Um, so it really is your chimney smell. But this is a statement that we make that is saying, like, my hope for you is that you will have a home and you'll have the money and the materials that you need to keep it warm for as long as you live. Uh, and so this statement, as you say it to someone, declares over them, I pray for you long life and all the provision that you need in that life. And one simple sentence, lang me your lum reek. Um, there's another uh, blessing from home that I love. This is Irish. Um, and I grew up singing this in all sorts of contexts. But this is a traditional Irish blessing. It's very famous. If you go on YouTube and Google Irish blessing song, you'll get the beautiful renditions of this. But a common Irish blessing, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be ever at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and rains fall softly on your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Traditional way that you would send people off on a journey or allow them to leave your home. And we say, cheerio, see you later. <laughs> it was nice to have you. We've lost some of the richness of what it means to be a culture that walks in blessing. There's a book, if you're interested in books, there's a book called Given by a lady, Tina Bosch. I want to read you her definition of blessing, her explanations of blessing as we talk about what is it to be blessed and what is the blessing that we're called to walk in. Here's what she says. The future is the province of blessing. Blessings are prayers with the horizon in view. They communicate good that I long to see realized in your life. And they acknowledge implicitly that God alone is, a, is capable of accomplishing that good. Blessings carry from the present moment into future grace. Blessings carry us from this present moment into future grace. I want to start by just putting these words on the board. We have forgotten how to bless. We, at best in the church, we fumble some prayers. And many of us, if we're honest, we feel uncomfortable. If you bring someone up and I called on one of you and said, hey, would you come up and pray over this person? We feel uncomfortable with it. We feel uncomfortable with, with prayer, but we've lost the art of blessing. We've forgotten how to walk in the world and use what God has given us not our resources are part of this, but use our words to bless the people around us. The Bible is framed around blessing. And I think often we forget that this is the case. We look at the Bible and we often think the Bible is framed around a curse. We know the way it goes in Genesis 3, man falls, God curses the land, Jesus has to come to rescue people. Um, and, and, and we know how the story goes. Jesus comes, he rescues us from darkness. And at the end of the story, uh, in, in Revelation, there's a moment where the curse is ended and there's no more crying and there's no more sickness and there's no more tears. So we tend to, in our human way of living, frame the Bible story around the curse. 
we're living in a cursed world rather than remembering that the story is actually a story of blessing. A God who looks into the future, uh, who desires best, uh, who looks at future grace and, and in the present moment speaks words that create everything that we see and we know in order to bring that entity, the created order and the people he creates into the future grace that he has for them. And the end of the story is the returning to that grace and that paradise that he had planned for us. So the whole Bible is framed around blessing. We're going to look at just a couple of parts of scripture this morning to remind ourselves of this. Um, and to look at some of the power and potency that we see at the beginning of the story. So what I'm hoping today is we're setting a foundation for what we're going to talk about over the coming weeks. So I'm hoping most of what I say is really familiar with you today. But I want to make sure we all have the same foundation we walk into what is coming next. Uh, Tina Bosch also says in her book, I don't have this up on the screen, but she also says... To appreciate the power of blessing, it begins with recognizing the generative power of the spoken word. So to understand the power of blessing in scripture and the power that God is gifting to us, we have to stop and understand the power of the spoken word as it exists through the Bible. So that's where we're going to go and what we're going to look at. So one, the Bible is framed around blessing. Number two, God's spoken blessings carry power. So let's look at Genesis 1 and just be reminded of how the story goes. So Genesis 1, God creates everything out of nothing. He goes through this process where he creates in six days and on the seventh day he rests. So when we get to the fifth day, it says God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So God creates, he's created the world up to this point. So he's created the land and the sea and the home for the creatures that he's about to make. And so he's beginning to bring creatures into the world. He makes creatures, he sees that they're good. And now that there's living things on the earth, the only thing that he can do is speak blessing over them. So he looks at the creatures and he says, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. So God creates, there's now something living on the earth and God's natural result is to speak a blessing over them. You could look at this and you could say God gives them a command to be fruitful and multiply. I think that's only part of the story. I think God has more than given them a command to go out there and be fruitful. I think he's praying blessing over them. That you would be fruitful in this world. That you would fill the seas. That the birds would fill the air. So in this moment of command, it's not like I'm going to command you this and then it's not going to happen. In the command is looking ahead into the future at the reality that he sees of a world that's filled with living creatures. And he's speaking the hope and declaring that hope over what he's made. As the story goes on uh, into the, the sixth day, he begins to make the animals that roam the earth and then he makes humanity. And it says in, in verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image and the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. 
God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, every living creature that moves on the ground. Skipping a couple of verses, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. God created animals and he spoke a blessing over them. Did you see the difference when he created man? He doesn't just speak a blessing over them, but he speaks it to them. God blessed them and he didn't just say, he said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the sea, subdue it, rule over the earth. And again, we could look at this and say, this is a command. So go do this and you're disobedient if you're not. I don't think this is so much a command as it is a blessing that he's speaking over them. As you walk on this earth, bear fruit. Learn to rule, subdue and create in the world in my image. A blessing released over humanity. I think it's beautiful in this moment to remember when we, when we say something like hashtag blessed. When we make a comment to someone, oh, I'm living the blessed life. Usually what that means is I have everything I want. I have the money, I have the job, I have the friends around me. Um, the the things that I need right now are happening, my dreams are being achieved, it's all material. I think it's important to remember that blessing and the blessed life is rooted in intimate relationship with the one who blessed us. So right at the beginning, God creates animals, he speaks a blessing over them, but he creates humans because we're created for intimacy with him. When he speaks a blessing over them, it's a conversation that has begun. God looks at them and says a blessing to them and invites them to start in a conversation that he was speaking before Adam and Eve were created, a conversation that was declaring blessing and fruit bearing over this world that he has made. So when God speaks that blessing over them, as the scripture declares that we're made in his image, we've got this, this creator God who speaks blessing We're called and made in his image to create in the world and to speak blessing into the world. So we as humans were created to be agents of blessing in this world. You can see implicitly in the passage that we're looking at. Next slide, Kerry. Humans are to be agents of blessing in the world. You can see implicitly in the passage that we looked at, but if you jump a little further on to Genesis 12, you've got this moment that where God, like all, like man, Adam and Eve have sinned, people have run away from God, and the, the Noah story, people have run from God so bad that it says every inclination of the thoughts of man's heart are only evil all the time, so God's grieved that he'd made man on the earth and his heart is filled with pain. And so he decides to wipe out all of creation. He saves Noah through the ark. You go on into the story. God finds this man, Abraham, and he calls him to himself. And in this interaction, speaks a blessing over Abraham that's central to the whole Bible story. So in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you, this is blessing language, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord told him. So released into the world to be an agent of blessing, doing what God has just done 
calling a person apart, speaking blessing over them of the hope and the calling that they have for the future, and then they walk out in obedience to that to do what God has called. What I've already said, these blessings are relational. We are called into the world to walk out into the world to bestow relational blessings on the world. So it's a blessing that comes as we relate to God and understand the blessing that he's placed on us. It changes our life and how we live in the world so that we reflect him differently. And then we're called to go out into the world and build relationships with people in the world. And then to live in such a way that we're attentive to what his word says. We're attentive to what he is speaking over them in the moment. We're paying attention to the gifts that they have and the potential calling they have in the future. And then we are released as the body of Christ to speak that hope into their life to give them a new hope and a new future and a new identity. We're called to be agents of relational blessing in the world. So let me just reiterate that. We've forgotten how to bless. The Bible is framed around blessing. God's spoken blessings carry power. As humans, we're agents of blessing, and all of this blessing is relational. I want to jump now and and just look at sort of another movement of the power that God's word carries and the implications for that in how we live as believers. Again, I'm setting up where we're going over the next couple of weeks. So statement here, God's word carries power. We know this, right? As believers, we're here because we get this truth. We buy one of these and we study it because that we know that by sitting under the word of God, life is changed. We become the people that he's called us to be. But let's go back to the beginning of the Genesis story and just remind ourselves of the power that God's word has as it works in the world. So Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, let there be light and there was light. I found myself wondering if this is a command or a blessing. God blesses the the chaos and the darkness. Let there be light. And the only thing that can happen when God blesses is it bursts forth in light. I wonder. God speaks and there was light. A couple of things in this passage just to draw attention to just because I like to geek out in these moments. So you see God the Father here creating the heavens and the earth. We see the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the deep. Where's Jesus? He's in yellow. God spoke. And the Bible lets us know all the way through. Who is the word of God? It's not a book, it's a person. Jesus is the word of God. Colossians tells us that all things were created by him and through him and for him. That the word of God, John John 1, the word of God became flesh and made its dwelling among us. The Father, Son, and Spirit here in the work of blessing and on the earth, God's words carry power. He speaks one word and everything that we know comes into being, right? I just want you to, you just have to sit with this for a little minute in your mind. Shut your eyes and imagine there's nothing. And just imagine having the ability to open your mouth and say, let there be light and the whole world be flung into existence, the power of God. Or imagine the ability, we, we, we mimic it in, in pop culture, right? The ability to be Mary Poppins, to walk into a room and with some words in a song, tidy up everything that the kids have messed up. 
because like a spoonful of sugar, it helps the medicine go down. God's words carry power. One word from God made everything that we know. So the implication of this, spoken words carry power. And in particular, our spoken words carry power. Again, back to what it said, God created man and woman in his image. God made man and woman to reflect him. God's words have power. So he has created us in such a way that our words have power. Every spoken word uttered in the world has power. And every word that is written down has power. What we do with the power that we've been granted is the thing that's at stake. The fact that spoken words carry power, we see it often. You see it in the relaxed shoulders of a friend when they tell you their worries and you speak a word of encouragement over them. You see it in the smile of someone as you compliment the dress they're wearing or the haircut that they've got. You see it in the solitary tear of hope that drips down someone's face as you give them a moment of comfort and solidarity. On the other end of the spectrum, you see it, inflation in someone's face and the heaviness in the shoulders of your spouse or your child when your words are short, uh, when you say something mean or demeaning, we see the power that our words have. Proverbs 18 states it emphatically. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. That tiny little pinkish colored thing that wiggles about in your mouth that hurts really bad if you bite it has the power of life and death. Just wiggle your tongue inside your mouth. That thing that you feel inside has been granted by God the power of life and death in this world. How are you using your tongue? Is it an instrument of blessing that calls people to Jesus speaks hope for their future uh, and, and releases them into the calling identity they have or is your tongue being used to tear someone down, to belittle the people round about, to criticize and complain and murmur and gripe? Matthew puts it this way as he talks about the power of our words and our responsibility for these words. A good man brings good out of the good that's stored up in him. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. That's scary. Think for a moment. Maybe you want to grab your phone and scroll through your text messages, ask yourself the question, is that stream of words, words of hope and blessing that reflects the good in you that will lead to your acquittal? Or do those messages look like death, speaking destruction and pain over people for which we one day will have to give account? Think over the last 24 hours, the people that you were in relationship with, What were the things that you said to them? Were the words that you used, words that built them up, pointed them to Jesus, called out the good that you see in them and offered them hope of a different future? Or the words tearing them down, rebuking, short, abrupt, pointing out their flaws and failing to offer them the grace that Jesus invites us to? 
Our words carry power. Paul in Ephesians gives this instruction, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but holding others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The responsibility that we're given as believers as we walk in the world is to pay attention to what we do with this little pink muscle that wiggles about in our mouth. Not letting the unwholesome come out of our mouths, but allowing our mouth to be something that's sanctified by God and used to bring hope and blessing to the people around about us. So how are your words? Think through your Facebook newsfeed and the comments that you're sharing. Are they offering hope to the world or do they just sound angry and bitter? Think about the last phone call you had with a parent or a spouse. Think about your inner life Uh, as you deal with an employee that doesn't work well or an employer who doesn't allow you to have what you want, the neighbor who has signs in the yard that say things that you don't agree with or a bumper sticker on the back of their car that irks you, what is the inner reaction that it builds and what are the words that then come out of your mouth? I'll confess, I drive in my car And I don't often speak blessings over people. (laughs) I declare you are an idiot. I declare even know how to drive. I declare I sure hope there's a cop up here and you get pulled over. (laughs) You're laughing because we all do it, right? And the hard part about that is it's become such a default inside that we don't even realize that in those moments, it's more than just a silly outburst of anger, but we're declaring words of death over people around about us rather than the words of life that we're called to speak. For many of us in the room, we've been the victim of this. We just watched a, a dedication happen. What happens in the biblical story is that God creates a man and a woman and he puts them on the earth and their job is to reflect him to the world. And then at some point, he blesses the couple with a child and the job of the parents is to reflect the character of God to their children. So when Nathaniel looks at Hannah and Trevor, from a very young age, they are godlike in his mind. And they're looking at these parents as the God figure with all the power in the world that sees everything and knows everything and does everything. And it's their job to point their child, not to them, but onto the creator who made them and loved them. But in our journey, what happens is as humans, we fail. Sin is in our lives, we mess up, we've been hurt, we're damaged. And as a result, rather than bringing good out of the good inside of us, we tend to bring bad out the bad inside of us. And so many of us are raised with parents who have spoken things over us that were hurtful. We've got friends who have spoken things over us that are hurtful. Teachers that have said things that tear us down. And I'm sure if I stopped right now, I could go around the room and you could all give me one word or phrase that was spoken over you at some point in your life that stung, that you still remember years and years later. That in those moments when life is bad or when you mess up, they're the first words that come back to mind to remind you of how much of a failure you are or how you'll never amount to anything or how you're not worthy of love, how stupid you are, how much of an idiot you are. We've all got those words. The world round about us, it's always done this, but right now we live in cancel culture, right? 
So our job is to, to look around on people's Twitter feeds and Facebooks, find the one thing they said 100 years ago that was wrong, and then tear them down for it. We've made it our job to listen to the words round about us and, and correct and cancel and critique and, and tear down. I often find myself wondering what would happen like this if instead of cancel culture, the church walked in kindness? What would happen in our country if while the world, world round about us was tearing people down, every Christian was, was known for the blessings that they spoke over people? I'm having a bad day. I'm going to go find Bill because Bill speaks blessing. Life is really hard right now. People are saying horrible things to me, so I'm going to go find Candy because Candy always speaks blessing. She sees me. She hears God's heart for me, and she's always quick to release the hope of the future into my life. What would happen in our world if we were to walk that way? We've lost sight of the art and the discipline and the gift of blessing. And so our job then is to recover the art of blessing. We're going to spend time over the coming weeks reflecting on what does this look like? How do you write blessing? How do you cultivate the kind of heart that is attentive to the people around you so that you can see what's going on in their life? so that you can hear the heart of God toward them, so that you know his word and what its intent toward them is, and to build a practice of sitting with people, and rather than just listening, and rather than just giving advice, and rather than just quoting a few scriptures, we become a church community that has mastered the art of declaring blessings from God over the people around about us. What do you think would happen in this room if all of our interactions were seasoned with blessing? What do you think would happen to the kids being raised in this church if every adult in this church had a heart filled with blessing and was always looking to them to point them back to Jesus and speak the truth and hope and potential into their life? What do you think would happen to our neighbors if in every interaction with a rise church they encounter words of hope and blessing spoken over their life? So I want you to think for a minute, we've already done it, I want you to think again, I want you to think of those moments in your life where someone has spoken some, something hurtful into your life, the word or the phrase or the comment that they made that just makes you feel so small, and I want you to just tap into the feeling of death that comes in those moments. We, we know that feeling, right? We're all acquainted with it. I want you to flip the script, and I want you to think of those moments in your life where someone that you really value or respect, a teacher, a leader, a mentor, a parent, or a friend, or sometimes it's a stranger that walks up to you in the street, has spoken something to you that has lifted your soul. I had a, a nice moment at the, the weekend with, uh, at the 24-7 prayer conference. There's a woman, Jill Weber, who's just a phenomenal woman of God. And the, there was one moment where we were sitting and uh, I was getting ready to take her home. And, uh, and she just looked at me and she goes, I love watching you work a room. I was like, work a room? I don't work a room. 
And she's just, she just talked about like the people that you see and you see people and you smile and you hug and you bless and just watching you move around the different people in the room. And in that moment, I was just like, I feel so seen. I didn't even know I'd do that. So sorry if I'm working the room later. Um, but just that moment of edification that comes as someone sees into you. And then after that, she said some other things related to that that were just a huge blessing to my life. Our tongues carry power. Our words carry power. One day, everyone will be accountable for the words that we speak. So as a church, it's my desire that we become people who can walk in blessing. That we will be people who utilize our words to pour life into the world rather than curses. So over the rest of the series, this is what we're going to lean into a little bit. What, what is blessing? What are the examples that we see in Scripture and what can we learn from that? And then what are some of the tools that we can put in our tool belt so the next time that you're sitting down for someone with coffee or the next time it's someone's birthday, rather than a little message that says, happy birthday, it's a pause for a few moments to stop and to remember who they are, to remember the Word of God, to remember his heart for them and to tap into the future grace that he has for them. And with the words that God has given you, the authority that he's given you as believers in Jesus and the power that he's bestowed those words to speak a different reality over them that impacts and changes their future. Does that sound like a good way to be as a church? Yeah, I feel like people want this. Let me pray. And there's a couple of ways that I want to pray. Ruben will come up in a second, lead worship. There's a couple of ways I want to pray um, just now. So first one is, I just want to acknowledge in the room those lies and painful words that have been spoken over us. So why don't you do this? Just close your eyes for a moment. Why are we doing this? One, it helps us focus. But another is just to respect the privacy of other people in the room. So if you're here, uh, it may be the situation that you're sitting in the room right now and, and there are words that have been spoken over you that are painful and you have people in your past or in your present whose tongues produce words of death over your life and it's been painful. Um, so if that's you, I just want to acknowledge it right now. Just raise your hand in silence um, and I want to pray over you. So God, we're all in this situation. We've all had negative words spoken over us, but I pray for these people who had their hands raised. God, where words have been allowed by the enemy to come in and to pierce deeply in their lives and bring death. God, your word and you, Jesus, you, the living word mediated by your spirit into their lives is more powerful than any word that anyone else could ever speak. And so, God, we ask that you would silence the lie that has been spoken, that you would heal the wound that has been made, and that you would amplify the words of blessing and the words of truth from your word to be spoken in opposition into that place in their life. So, God, would you heal and would you redeem? And then would you use us as a community uh, to be agents of healing as we continue to come alongside and speak those new words into them. 
Second movement is just a, a, a moment of repentance. As I think through my text messages, as I think through my Facebook, as I think through my interactions with people on the road uh, or my kids when I'm tired, uh, I know that oftentimes my words don't reflect the way Jesus wants them to be. So what is just, a, as a gesture of repentance, open your hands, have them face up in front of you. And I want you to just imagine that in your hand, you're holding all of the words that you've spoken that have caused harm. And I want you just as a gesture of repentance to turn your hands over and just dump those on the ground, poured out as an act of repentance. God, we repent of the ways that our words have been used to bring death. Forgive us for the moments of criticism and complaint. Forgive us for putting, our, putting ourselves above other people so that our preferences and our comfort means that we can speak negatively over someone else. Or forgive us for the ways we look at groups of people in the world and say things that are hurtful and harmful. Uh, God, we need your help. James tells us that no one can tame the tongue. And so Jesus, we need you to do what you did to prophets like Isaiah and take the burning coals from your presence and touch our lips and anoint them to be mouths that speak blessing. And finally, Lord, as we uh, walk forward as a church, bless us to be people who know your word, who hear your voice, who truly see the people in front of us and who build the habit of speaking blessing in a world that's filled with pain. So God bless these people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.